your body grows bigger. Your mind grows slower. It's great to learn. Cause knowledge is power. It's Schoolhouse Rockin'. What's your bubble gum? What you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and the music is for the people. We at Rockstrex10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels, or hopefully by the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. Okay, we have finished up with the odds and ends of 1973, all four parts of them. Now it's time, dramatic pause, for the top 80 albums of 1973. Okay, so yeah, around this time last year, when I tackled 1972, I'm like, this is a pretty damn good year for music. Some people were saying at the time, with those 50-year retrospectives that were out and about, all the music journalists and everything were like calling it the greatest year of rock. And I was like, I don't know if I completely agree with that, although there were some good records out. The fact that I went from a top 50 to a top 80 I felt like I had to include 80 records to talk about for 1973. I guess either means one of two things. Either it was a better year for music, or I have more time on my hands this year. I'm not sure which one. I feel like I have less time on my hands this year, but who knows? But what I do know is that I have a top 80 here for you to represent the year 1973. All aspects most all genres, at least as far as popular music goes. So you're going to hear it all. Let's get down to it, as I did on my top albums of 1992 countdown. I feel like I'm definitely going to start off this episode with a little controversy, and I don't do it to get attention. I don't do it to be contrarian. This is just how it is. Now, obviously, I, I position this album, which probably could have been maybe a little, little bit higher, just a little bit, or maybe even just off the countdown entirely. Honestly. There was a massive, huge, like, multi-way tie for basically, like, the 75-pointers, like, the three-quarters good records. So I figured, hey, let's just kick off the show with this one. I brought it up here to number 80. I have long called it the Citizen Kane of rock and roll, and that may not necessarily be a bad thing, because I actually like the movie Citizen Kane, (laughs) but it is overrated. It does get overrated quite a bit. And the things that people like to talk about are the technical aspects, the story it tells, and just how ahead of its time that it was. The same can be said about album number 80 right here, which is Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. Yes, 
So, hey, to be fair, Pink Floyd has not turned up on any of my countdowns, and this is considered their best overall album. It's definitely their most popular by a mile. I mean, how long did it stay on the charts? Years and years, maybe even decades, I think. And it's not a bad record. I like three quarters of it. And for someone who is not a Pink Floyd fan, I feel like that's a win for them, honestly. And like I said, three quarters good. Number 80 sounds low. But I listened to God, God knows how many records, hundreds of records for consideration for this countdown right here. So this is where it is. Dark Side is number 80 here on my countdown at the very least. Let's get into the things that I do on these countdowns. Specifically, I, I always say I don't lean on the wiki, and that's for the regular episodes. For the countdown episodes, I grab that little window for the release date and all the stats and stuff like that. So let's grab that wiki window here. It says... This album came out on March 1st of 1973, self-produced by the band. Although, I gotta say, I think there are definitely two people that deserve massive credit for, I feel, the success of this record. One's Alan Parsons, for sure, the head engineer. The guy that's responsible for a lot of the innovative sounds on this record is Alan Parsons, the head engineer at Appy Road at that point. And honestly, Storm Thurgerson from hypnosis the guy that designed the album cover i mean come on top five most famous album covers of all time i'd say maybe even the most famous that's probably not true but definitely top five as far as like just iconic album covers the simplicity of it yet the majesticness of it big ups to hypnosis for that album cover they have many great album covers but that's going to stand as their best one probably of all time if i had to guess my votes for love drive but hey (laughs) yes so let's get into it right here I would have sworn that this was a single off the record, but just looking at the stats here, it was not a commercially released single, although it lives every day on Classic Rock Radio. But for the sake of having a strong opener, I'm going with this one right here. So not playing a single, but playing something slightly obvious. We're going to kick off this countdown with time.
Kicking off the show here today and kicking off our top 80 albums of 1973, that was Pink Floyd with Time, the rarely played Pink Floyd, on, at least on Rock Strikes 10. Yes, The Dark Side of the Moon, the iconic album, the classic album, the great selling Dark Side of the Moon. And once again, that's my disclaimer. Hey, 
I'm sure someone else's show, that's number one on their 1973 list. And that's great. I'm not saying I hate the record. Once again, I think it's three quarters good. I three quarters enjoyed it. I gave it the full immersion. I, I didn't, let's say, partake to experience the album, which uh, also not growing up on any of these albums, it's going to be ranked differently than someone who did grow up on these albums. And I totally get that and I totally understand it. And also I do not partake. I'm an ally. But yeah, I think that maybe a few different factors in me just not loving this album per se. I don't think it's perfect, but I think it's pretty cool. You know, it's all right. And further proof that I'm not being biased, here's another album that could easily be on someone's top 10 for the year 1973. And you might be surprised knowing what a fan I am of this guy, but this only came in at number 79 because I think it's only three quarters good. The three quarters good are excellent, but it only got you this high on the charts. I'm talking about the sixth album by Elton John called Don't Shoot Me, I'm Only the Piano Player. It came out on January 26th of 73, produced by a longtime producer at this point, Gus Dudgeon. Or Dudgeon? Is that how you say it? I, I, I did this last year. Damn it. I'll figure this out at some point. Anyway, I need to watch more documentaries. <laughs> but yes, Don't Shoot Me. I'm only the piano player. Man, I'll tell you, I, I love Crocodile Rock. I don't know about anybody else. I'm sure there's some people that would never want to hear that song ever again, but I think it's a great tune. Not going to play that to represent this. I'm going to go deep on it because honestly, I'm not a Daniel fan. I, I don't like some of those early ballads. They're just not for me. Your song, Daniel. I mean, yeah, well-written songs, but... Not really my jam, but this one right here, man, really loved this song. Very surprised to see it performed as of this recording on the last ever American concert that Elton John played, the one that streamed on Disney this last year. It's my favorite song besides Crocodile Rock. It's my favorite deep cut for sure on this record. So if you never heard this, you're in for a treat. Here's Elton John with Have Mercy on the Criminal. Isn't some poor criminal And I guess they're out to kill Oh, there must be shackles on his feet And mother in his eyes Stumbling through Devil dog with a hound pack in for cry.
damn ground You're taking enough face of a rifle butt While the wardens hold you down When I've never seen a friend in years Oh, it turns your heart to stone track right there have mercy on the criminal by elton john the album don't shoot me i'm only the piano player only comes in here at number 79 but i gotta say it's almost like it feels like the song was almost recorded in the exact order that it appears on the record because i feel like that second half is a lot stronger and it's really a killer prelude 
to what he would do after this. So there you go. Elton kind of building up towards his next release on this record. Not quite there yet, but so close to getting there. He'll achieve perfection on his next one. But to be continued, coming in at number 78 here, is yet another piano man. Actually, a guy who would, would tell you, in addition to Elton John, probably nobody on this countdown would exist without him. And he loved to say that, and we love him for it. The late, great Little Richard. Yes, Little Richard here, coming in on the top albums of 1973. Number 78, to be exact, with this album right here called Right Now. Have no idea what number studio album this is, because his discography is all kinds of screwed up, because some people, unfortunately, have counted compilations as far as crediting his discography, and not just like whatever, it's just an actual studio album and also the fact that he's from that singles era so it's really hard to nail down exactly what number this album is it's somewhere in the double digits for sure at this point but one thing i can tell you is that this album here right now was recorded at the legendary muscle shoals studio a studio so famous it has its own documentary and web page devoted to it you know right but this album is also notable for the fact that it was produced by longtime little richard collaborator at least early collaborator guy who co-wrote four monster hits for him early on this guy bumps blackwell great name right uh, but this album is super fun man if you're a little richard fan i think this is a notable record and one you definitely got to have in your catalog of course in addition to all the great specialty records releases from back in the day but this one i think is good for quote-unquote latter day richard it's got that classic Richard sound to it. You also get uh, a couple of covers on here that you'll be familiar with, like Chain of Fools and Sitting on the Dock of the Bay. But for me, it's all about this one right here. This one's super fun and just classic little Richard. The album Closer on right now, and you're going to enjoy it right here. So turn it up for Hot Nuts.
Nuts right there by the great, iconic, innovator, Little Richard. I haven't seen that documentary on him yet. I don't think it's come out as of this recording, but I definitely will be seeing that for sure. I will be attending that. Can't wait to see it. I hope it's not too much of a puff piece because that guy had an interesting life. And not that I want people to be disparaging about him in death, but I do want it to come correct because the guy definitely would go back and forth about a lot of the stuff in his life. So he made it public in a sense, but yeah, man, of course it is all about the music at the end of the day, but you know, they want to put personal stuff in documentaries as well. But anyway, let's move on before I dig a hole coming in at number 77 right here. Another surprise that some people might yell out too low, but once again, pretty much everything on this particular part is a 75, maybe somewhere between 75 and 80 points. Three quarters good, basically. And I really like this band, so I was kind of surprised that it didn't come in any higher than this. But this was the band's fifth studio album, not their best album. That would be reserved for their earlier work. But Badfinger right here with their album Ass. Yes, the album is called Ass. And it does have an ass on the cover. 
looking longingly towards a carrot in the clouds. Yes, very artsy, but yes, this album masks, like I said, three quarters good. Album was released on November 26th of 1973. Weirdly enough, for a European band, it came out earlier in the States and it came out the year after in Europe. Kind of strange, but also they were still on Apple Records at this time, but this was their last album for Apple. The album was produced by Chris Thomas, and apparently a couple of tracks were produced by the great Todd Rundgren, so that's neat. I'm surprised I didn't pick one of the Rundgren tracks to represent it, but those are good songs as well. But much like the Little Richard album, I really dug the closer on here. So to represent this album, Ass by Badfinger, this is Timeless. Yesterday, we are today, we are tomorrow, we are timeless, we are then, we are now. We are timeless We are the sorrow We are the pain We are the sunshine We are
you always know that it's a good album closer when you can actually just tell without looking that that's the album closer. But clearly, a great album closer there in 1973 by Badfinger. The song was called Timeless, and the record was called Ass. We move on here to number 76 here on the top 80 of 1973 with this guy right here who for me, had a surprise sleeper record in 1972 with his first solo album under the name Barnstorm. you got to go check out that record. It's really cool. And apparently at the time of this recording, this album was also going to be released under the Barnstorm name, but it did not at the end of the day. It got released under his actual name, Joe Walsh, with this record right here. The smoker you drink, the player you get. Yes. Joe has the best album titles, by the way. All of his album titles are great. And this one right here, one of his bigger albums of all time. Further proof, I'm going to play an obvious song from it, but let's get to the stats here. This album was released on June 18th of 73, produced by Joe and co-produced by this guy right here who has a crazy name, and I'm going to attempt to pronounce it here. Bill Sismigzix. Let's go. Sismigzix. Sigs? Sismigzix. Bill Sismixic. Yes, gonna go with that. Okay, back to the record here. And I don't know if it's one of those things where perception is reality. I'm like just excited that I found this cool record that I hadn't heard of before in the 72 countdown with the Barnstorm thing. Uh, but I didn't like this one as much as Barnstorm, clearly. I mean, it doesn't rank super high, but I still think it's definitely one of the better Joe albums. So let's go with it right here. And like I'm gonna do from time to time, maybe even throughout this countdown. I want to try to do a overall great representation of the year 1973. And I never get sick of this song still for some reason. I feel like it's definitely an undeniable song. So I am going to go with an obvious song to represent this record. But come on, you know you're going to turn it up. It's freaking Rocky Mountain Way. So here you go.
Coming in at number 76 there, that was Joe Walsh, everybody's favorite good time guitar player guy. That was from The Smoker You Drink, The Player You Get. And as luck would have it, the band coming in here at number 75 just happens to be Joe's former band. Yes, the James Gang checking in here at number 75 with their sixth album called Bang. You have to say it all together for it to make sense. Yes, it was the 70s after all. Wow. But yes, this record Bang right here, for me personally, it's got a lot going for it. And it scored exactly the same as the Joe record. And I don't know, I'm sure there's people out there that when the band splits off from a member and then the other guy puts out a solo album and then the other band stays the the path and puts out their record, like there's bound to be that competition and or just fans dividing or, oh, this one's better than the other. I'm sure there's people out there that think that Eat'em and Smile and 5150 are equally good. But for me, at least in the Joe Walsh-James gang split, I find them to be pretty much exactly even Steven. Despite the fact that I consider myself to be a bigger fan of Tommy Bolin than I do of Joe Walsh. I like Joe, but I'm a bigger Tommy guy. And yeah, it comes in like one better, but the score was no different, to be honest with you. But I do slightly like this album, just a little bit better, I think, and it's that Tommy Bolin factor. Tommy comes into the James Gang, and he's writing every song, or at least co-writing every song on this record, besides one of them. So he's immediately making an impact, and contributing so much to the band that even though he's not the lead singer, they did have him take over lead vocals for one of the songs. So because I'm such a big Tommy Bolin fan, I'm going to play this song to represent the album, which may not be fair as far as an overall representation of this record, but I'm still going with it. So here you go from Bang. This is the James Gang featuring Tommy Bolin on lead vocals, and the song is called Alexis. Southern days, spent on the levee, throwing pennies in the bay, and talking other rich folks on the big boats that pass that way. You were just a young girl, and I just could not stay. we met back then was on my way to Atlanta and on that road again not really poor had money just not to spend you were just a young girl and I was in need of a friend well the lectures always used to talk about leaving your hometown Heading off the south Maybe down to New Orleans And you wanted me to help you out You were just a young girl And I was just a hobo Had my dad I did not want to 
wanna leave you there. Sometimes this life we live is so unfair. I wanted to take you with me, but I did not dare. You were just a young girl, and I couldn't pay your fare. I left you, Sean. We used to talk about leaving your hometown. Hidden on the side, maybe down to New Orleans, and you wanted me to help you out, but you were just a young girl, and I was just a hobo. But had my doubts. Late great Tommy Boland right there doing his lone lead vocal spot on the James Gang record called Bang that came out in 1973 and that comes in at number 75 here on our countdown. I know I've said this before but I definitely feel that Tommy is an underappreciated talent and yeah definitely went too soon. Unfortunately he loved heroin more than breathing in and out which really sucks but Man, go look up some of this guy's stuff, especially his solo albums. The two solo albums he did were amazing. And, of course, the stuff he did later on between those solo albums and this time with the James Gang, the stuff he did with Deep Purple was massively excellent. So there you have it. And coming in here at number 74, another guy who's massively underappreciated in the grand scheme of things as far as the history of rock and roll. This guy is a true talent this guy started the band The Move with Jeff Lynne, and he would go on to start ELO with Jeff Lynne as well. 
and then peacing out on the band after a record or so. Uh, this guy here, Roy Wood. This album right here that he put out in 73 called Boulders. This is a true solo album. I mean, this is the kind of thing when if you're in a band and you want to do a solo album, this is how you do it. And a handful of people have done this, but this is like on a Prince level. He played every instrument on this record with one exception. He wrote all the songs, of course, and he even drew the album cover. <laughs> That's got to be like a a check mark, like trifecta thing, like self-producing, wrote every song, no covers drew the damn album cover that's next level shit right there roy wood once again greatness so it's not a perfect album for me but it's got moments and flashes of brilliance uh, but he would go on to do better stuff later on under the wizard moniker but more on that later till now you're going to enjoy this track right here this was the kickoff track from his solo album boulders so here's roy wood with songs of praise enjoy
coming in number 74 right there, the great Roy Wood in his first solo album called Boulders. That was Songs of Praise, the kickoff track on the record. And also, man, I feel like this guy was way out of time. He tracked all of those songs on this record between 69 and 71, it says here, but didn't get the album out until 73 because he was so busy with all of his other bands and working with Jeff and everything. So the album finally comes out in 73, which explains why he turned around and did another record so quickly. But more on that later. Coming in at number 73 right here is this band right here. Man, woof. Okay, let's get into it here. So as I have been going through these records from the 70s right here, and you know me, I'm a fan of R&B and soul and all that stuff. And I was getting really excited about basically what would be the birth of funk. And it's finally starting to happen like on a massive scale here in 73. Obviously, there's a lot going on in 72, but 73 is really when it starts popping off because now you see the more established R&B and soul bands leaning on into the funk a lot more. And most of that comes from like James Brown and stuff like that. So this is definitely the first funk band to appear here on this countdown. And this is not a perfect album. Once again, we're still in the three quarters good pocket here on the countdown, but definitely an album worth mentioning. If only just for the song I'm going to play here on this particular episode, because man, this one hit me like a ton of bricks. And I have an interesting story to tell you, a little short story here to tell you. I have never listened to this album all the way through. I'm decently familiar with some of the material by this band. But right here we've got the fifth album by Funkadelic. And Funkadelic definitely seems to me, as it should be obvious to anyone that has even slightly dived in, on this whole family tree of the George Clinton bands. Parliament, the party band, the singles-oriented party band. Yes, they can jam, but they also throw a party. Funkadelic, definitely a lot more experimental, a lot deeper, if you will. And this is one of those albums that definitely proves that for sure. Cosmic Slop right here comes out right at the end of the spring in 1973. And if you're going to get into taking the temperature of what's going on out there in the world and... Something that basically has affected everybody in this country for the last 10 plus years. Like basically since the 60s kicked off and all the way up until 1973, it was fucking Vietnam, man. Vietnam War. War is the worst. It's just it's just the worst. It's, it's awful. It doesn't really need to happen, but for some reason it always happens. That's the short of it for me without getting into a whole thing. Because obviously this is a music podcast, but... This song right here, the fact that right at the beginning of 73 is when we finally pulled the troops out of Vietnam. We finally did the thing where they agree and they let the prisoners go and the whole thing. And and 1973 is really the first year where we, we try to get things back to normal and get the fuck out of this whole Vietnam mentality. Unfortunately, it's the first war that we had in this country where we didn't seem to really take a whole lot of care of our veterans and that unfortunately is a thing that goes on still to this day but the one that was massively affected was definitely the veterans of the vietnam war i'm sure i'm not telling you anything you don't already know especially if you're at a certain age but i just found it this just floored me right here the fact that it only been a few months that the war had been called off and not only are you starting to really see actually 
how these soldiers are affected by what went on down there. And I can only imagine, yes, we've read about it and we've seen movies, but you don't really know unless you're in their shoes. And some people will be glad to tell you about it. Others don't want to tell you anything about it. And I get it either way. But the fact that friends of theirs, like these people here in Funkadelic, are seeing their friends come home and they're not the same people that left. And they, they went ahead and wrote a song about it, basically. And it's super deep and super knowledgeable about everything we kind of know now, more so. But they already knew then. So I was listening to this song while I was just doing my walk. And the majority of these albums, I just listened to on my walk. I've talked about this before where I can just absorb it. And here's the last point I really want to make before I get into this song. And I'll just let the song speak for everything else after I get this off my chest. Because I've been sitting on this for a while. I remember specifically the afternoon that I went and did my walk and listened to this album. And all of a sudden I'm hearing this song and I'm just like, oh my God. It was actually Super Bowl Sunday. And the irony of that was not lost on me at the time because it made me think of what Muhammad Ali did whenever they tried to draft him to fight in the Vietnam War and he became a conscientious objector and said, I'm not going to go fight for them because they won't fight for me here. And we did the same thing to Colin Kaepernick in this country. We blacklisted him out of the NFL and probably for any kind of other athletic jobs in the future. And that really hit me because like I'm listening to this song and knowing that not a lot has changed, unfortunately. And I thought about all of that. And then all of a sudden, as I'm just reading up on a few different things and I want to know more about this particular song, I realized that the day that I was listening to this was actually the 50th anniversary of the actual end of the war. And the thought that's been overplaying in my head over and over again ever since that day is this. I just wonder how many people were all out there watching the Super Bowl that couldn't wait to bring up some sort of racist agenda talking point to big time himself in the room because they knew that nobody would shut a stupid ass up because nobody really wants to be the one who ruins the party. Number one, stop inviting that guy to your Super Bowl party or any party. Or just stop going to his house when invited. Number two, Colin Kaepernick was convinced to kneel as a sign of silent and peaceful protest by a retired Army Green Beret. Feel free to smarten people up to that fact. From Cosmic Slop, here's Funkadelic with March to the Witch's Castle.
home from the war. He has fought with all his might, yet he knew not what or who he was fighting for. Death waited in the shadows as he crawled by night for his country. His enemies was many, including the habit he still cannot break. Father, we pray that we might understand what has happened to his mind and help us understand his reaction to the changes that has taken place here at home. And Father, smile upon us with your grace, for we will need you more than ever. Help him understand that when his loved one remarried, they were truly under the impression Okay, yes, that was Funkadelic with March of the Witch's Castle from Cosmic Slop. Let me know what you thought of that, and all commentary aside, uh, another guy who's massively underappreciated in the grand scheme of things is Eddie Hazel, man. What a great guitar player Eddie Hazel was. Okay, and we're going to stick with the soul here for album number 72 with The Temptations and what looks to be, I guess it's about their 18th release at that point, in 1973 it was the second album they had put out that year 
And weirdly enough, the album is called 1990. I don't know if it's one of those things where they're trying to predict the future, maybe hoping things will be a little bit cooler. Uh, A little bit, I guess. But yes, I definitely think this is the better album of the two that they put out in 1973. They put out this album, Masterpiece, also earlier that year. And that one's a little bit weirder. I didn't really dig that one too much. And from what I understand, a lot of people didn't. And the band put it on Norman Whitfield, who was one of their main songwriters. They thought that he was really getting too full of himself. And he was like, can you stop with the long songs already? Because it's enough. Like, it's like, I think it's like six, seven albums on that record. But there's some long ass songs in there. And some of them don't make a whole lot of sense. Some of them are pretty cool. But yeah, Norman, like, to me, like, The Temptations, yeah. Of course, you want to do a handful of these really killer songs. But I guess when it works, it works. Like, Papa Was a Rolling Stone worked. Ball of Confusion worked. But... You can't do that all the time because they were a singles-oriented band. So you got to swing a little bit, you know? You know what I'm saying? But And obviously the band wanted it that way too. As further proof, like Eddie Kendrick's going solo around this time and he's putting out like bangers. So, and Temptations is kind of stuck in neutral with some of this material at the time. But as any Temptations record, there are some highlights to be had. And this album did well enough to make it here and break into the countdown. So to represent this album, called in 1990, in the year 1973, here's my favorite song off this record. It's called, You've Got My Soul on Fire. Baby, you better quit. Well, keep on doing what you're doing that feels so good to me. Keep on doing
Yeah, in the grand scheme of things, with the Temptations, obviously, like, David Ruffin and Eddie Kendricks are the most talked-about singers, but give it up for Dennis Edwards right there. What a great lead vocal he pulled on that. Probably my second favorite song in the entirety of 1973 that's Temptations-related. Not the best. You're going to hear that one a little later on via a solo record. We'll see whose it is soon enough. But last song of the night here... For album number 71, we go all the way down south for the fourth record by the Allman Brothers. Now, so it's weird, like, the Eat a Peach record was, like, their biggest selling studio album of all time, if I have it right there. But I wasn't, like, huge on that record. But I really like this album that followed it up, Brothers and Sisters. Maybe it's because, I mean, I feel like they were a lot more focused on this record. It became a little bit more about the song. Yeah, there's some jams on it. But I think Brothers and Sisters is a better album than Eat a Peach. There I said it. But it comes in here at 71 on our Top 80 Countdown of 1973. This album came out on August in 73, produced by Johnny Sandlin, co-produced by the band. And I think Ramblin' Man has got to be their biggest chart song of all time, and that appears on this record, as well as the great epic instrumental called Jessica. I actually used to know a girl back in the day named Jessica, and she's no longer with us, but when I used to hang out with her, uh, her parents were always really cool to me, and they dropped that nugget on me that she was named after this song, Jessica. So you all know that song. Go look it up. You know it exactly. I'm not going to play that one, but I am going to dedicate this track to her in memory of her. Is this one right here. Great opening track here on this record. This one's called Wasted Words. Can you tell me, tell me friend, just exactly where I've been? Is that so? Are you really sick? 
little saints Sure as hell ain't no savior Every other Christmas I would practice good behavior On TV Closing off the show here tonight and coming in at number 71 on our top 80 albums of 1973 countdown. That was the Allman Brothers Band from the Brothers and Sisters record, and that song was called Wasted Words. Pretty cool record, actually. And as of any of these records I've played for you on this particular episode, like I said, they kind of came in at three quarters good. But I still think that means you should check them out. If you've never heard these records, you got to listen to them all. I know Sir Chris Riley across the pond is definitely probably doing that with most, if not all, of these records. You are the man. Anybody else, do the same thing. Be a fully immersive listener and friend of Rock Strikes 10. Okay, I've shamed you enough, but I hope you have enjoyed this episode, if nothing else. Please stay tuned. We've got seven more of these bad boys to go, and you know you are curious as to what number one is. I gotta say, this countdown, as far as like ownability, these albums, they get real good real quick. So stay tuned. Till then, stay tuned for my better half, Nola, with the plugs, and followed by the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, we give our cats Ruby and Ripley a treat. We are on Twitter at RockStrikes10 and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have RockStrikes10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. 
Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going all the way back to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out some of these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. And the I Am Vinyl Podcast with Pete LaRussa and occasionally Joey. We also highly recommend that you check out our good friend Mark Striegel, who can now be heard exclusively on Sirius XM as part of Ozzy's Boneyard and Hair Nation. Last, but certainly not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRussa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent ya. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun. Game show is brought to you by Christ. I can't find it. The hell with it.